Love you too. Good morning. All right. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 13 this morning. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, worship went a little bit long. Everything went a little bit long. I usually try to make that up in my message. I'm not going to, okay? I'm just not going to be able to, to do it this morning. So if uh, your bladder is going to explode right at 12 o'clock, you better get up and go because it's going to be just a couple minutes after 12 before I finish. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, if you've got your Bible and you'd like to follow along, uh, that's where we'll be taking all of our points this morning. If uh, you don't have a Bible, or if you prefer, as always, our scriptures are going to be right up here on the screen because we have an awesome tech team back there. They do a great job. Thank you guys for everything that you do. All right. In September of 1985, there was a celebration for the New Orleans Municipal Pool System, pool, swimming pool system. They decided to have a celebration because it was the first year that anybody could remember where they did not have a drowning during the summer. So they decided to get together and have this celebration to celebrate the success of no one dying on their watch. So they had a pool party, and there was 200 people that were invited to the party, 100 of them being the lifeguards that uh, had served that summer for the New Orleans Municipal Pools. So they had a good time, and as they were finishing their party and the four lifeguards that were serving, uh, that were on duty that afternoon, they were clearing everybody out of the pool, they found a fully clothed body floating in the deep end of the pool. They pulled the man out. They tried to uh, resurrect him, but it would resurrect him, resuscitate him. <laughs> Jesus! Uh, they, they tried to resuscitate him, uh, but it was too late. And the irony, obviously, of the story is that surrounded by lifeguards, this man died. Surrounded by people that knew how to save his life, he died while they were celebrating themselves. The most tragic events sometimes occur when those that are able and those that are capable of saving lives are not aware of the people that are around them. We are lifeguards in this life. This world is full of people that are drowning spiritually, drowning emotionally, and we're on duty. Are we aware of those that are around us? So we're starting a three-week series called Farming in 3D. We're going to take the, the parable of the sower or the parable of the farmer, and we're going to look at it from three different perspectives. And those three perspectives happen to be the vision of our church, connect with God, connect with others, and create community. 
So over the next three weeks, I am going to be doing some vision casting. I am going to be talking about some things that I believe the Lord is, is stirring up in us as a body. I am going to be talking about some things that, that we're going to be putting in motion this year. But this morning, we're going to talk about our responsibility to help people connect with God. A church that doesn't love those who are unconnected or those who are disconnected from God. And a church that does not have its primary focus and goal as connecting people to God is not a church of Jesus Christ. It is merely a self-help group. And that's not who we want to be. At NCC, we believe in evangelism. We believe that evangelism should be primary. And the way that we define evangelism is helping somebody take their next step in God, whether it's their first or their hundred and first. So we're always evangelizing. We're always trying to help somebody take that next step in God. Amen? All right, did you find Matthew 13? All right, Matthew 13, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. A large crowd soon gathered around him, so he got into the boat. Then he sat there and taught as the people stood on the shore. He told many stories in the form of parables such as this one. Listen, a farmer went out to plant some seeds. And as we're looking at this over the next few weeks, I want you to understand that we are the farmers. Okay? We're the farmers. As he scattered them across the field, some seeds fell on a footpath, and birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. The seeds sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon withered under the hot sun, and since they didn't have deep roots, they died. Other seeds fell among thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. Still other seeds fell on fertile soil, and they produced a crop that was 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as had been planted. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. So we want to listen and we want to understand, right? So I want to show you this morning four times when we can connect people to God. Dropping down into verse 18, Jesus goes on to, to explain the parable that he just gave. He says, now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. Why does, the, why does the evil one get to snatch away the seed? Because they don't understand the word. You've got that. Okay, just making sure. Okay, so here's the first time we get to help people connect. We help people connect when it's hard. Just because the ground is hard doesn't give us an excuse not to care. The people on the footpath, they represent those who have been beaten down, trodden down, walked over, hurt in life, and the ground is hard. 
The ground is hard, but just because the ground is hard does not give us an excuse not to sow seeds. Because the truth is, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting the message because they don't understand unconditional love. Their life has told them that love is conditional. Love has been given. Love has been taken. Love has been refused. Their love may have been rejected. They've not lived in a place of unconditional love. Therefore, they don't understand the message of the kingdom. Therefore, they reject the message of the kingdom. Therefore, the enemy comes in and steals that seed. But we keep planting seeds. Are we willing to scatter seeds of God's love anywhere? Anywhere. Scatter seeds in a teenager's life that's been rejected by his family because of sexuality. Scatter seeds in an addict's life knowing that they'll probably take advantage of you. Scatter seeds in the lives of a workaholic father who gets all of his self-worth from his performance at his job. Scatter seeds in the life of a neighbor who's battling uh, depression and just telling them, oh, God will get you through it is not enough for them to fight those suicidal thoughts. Scatter seeds in the lives of people who've grown up in church and all they've seen is religion. They didn't see Jesus, so now they're rejecting God. This is hard ground. This is the footpath, but we've got to keep scattering seeds. We've got to keep scattering seeds knowing that the enemy is going to come and try to steal that seed. We've got to keep scattering that seed until they begin to understand that place of unconditional love. Because many of us once lived on that footpath. Many of us were in that place of desperate need. Many of us needed that seed scattered towards us. And we were hard. Christmas Day. We had, uh, we had some unexpected guests on Christmas Day. Um, they came in. There was there were several people that came in this group that that came to 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 see us. They just stopped in for some reason, and uh, in that group of people, some of them I had never met before, were some people in the LGBT community. We invited them in, sat on our couch. Watched Lord of the Rings with us for a while while we were eating and drinking and just having a good time. And you know what? We, we turned the TV down and we just started talking to them. What's your name? Where are you from? I mean, it was, it was nothing really, really deep. But what we were doing was just scattering some seeds. Scattering some seeds. Man, you're going to show up at my house. I'm going to scatter some seeds. Now, they didn't stay really, really long, but when they got up to leave, Michaela, uh, our, our middle daughter, she said, that was awesome. <laughs> she said, there, sitting on our couch, was a, a, a gay kid, a bisexual kid, and a transgender kid. They're in the house of a pastor, and they're not getting anything but acceptance. She goes, that was awesome. 
and we just scattered the seed. You know what? People need to know that you accept them before you start preaching at them about sin. Right? Well, you didn't tell them everything was unholy. No, I just love them. You know what I tell people? I'm in sales. God's in management. Okay? Because you know what? A lot of us need some rearranging too, right? Okay. So when the ground is hard, we've got to continue to scatter seed so people can connect with God. Verse 20. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. Here's the second place that we get to help people connect. We get to help them connect when things are rocky. People who live on rocky ground, they know they have need. And they will accept the message because they know that they have need. But there's no depth of faith in them yet. And I always say yet. Because you know what's going to happen? Is they're going to come and they're probably going to fall back. They're going to come and then they're going to slip away a little bit. And then they're going to come, but we keep throwing the seeds and we don't throw condemnation. And we don't say, oh, we only get three tries at this. No, you get as many tries as I have had in my life. My God and his love and his grace is unfathomable. It does never, it never comes to an end. And people that are living on that rocky soil, they, they grab at something because they see that they have needs in their life. But their faith just hasn't gotten any depth to it yet. They'll alternate between believing the lie of shame because of a situation in their life to blaming others so they don't have to deal with their own pain. Living on rocky grounds will also produce people that will join the church really, really quickly and then just as quickly run away. There's just no depth to them yet. But this is why we need discipleship. I will be the first one to admit we have one of the friendliest churches. You're not going to walk through those doors. I don't, I don't care what's going on in your life. You're not going to walk through those doors and not feel like that you're wanted here. It doesn't matter what you look like, smell like, act like. You're going to feel like you are wanted here. I call that being sticky at the front door. But where we've not always been sticky is at the back door. As people begin to, to get a little health to them, what do we do with them? Well, this is what, here's a little vision casting for you, okay? We, we are putting together a, a group and we're building some structure that will allow what we're calling shepherds to be in the body. So it doesn't fall. You know what? We, we have over 300 people in this church. I can't take, I, I can't keep up with all of you. I'm serious. I can't keep up with everybody. I start thinking one person said one thing and another person said another thing and you know, uh, it's, kind of, it's kind of like the, the, the story of a preacher that I was listening to not too long ago. He went to the hospital, and, and he had two families that were in the hospital, and the husband of one of the families had just died, and he got them mixed up. 
So he went and told somebody that her husband had just died, and he spent 30 minutes with her, uh, you know, comforting her and praying for her until the doctor came in and go, what's wrong? Well, her husband just died. No, he didn't. I'll be back. So these shepherds, men and women in the body whose heart is to connect with people and to care for people, that's their giftings. Somehow in the Western world, in in the American church, we've got the idea that the guy that stands on stage needs to do everything. But if I do everything, if Pastor Sam does everything, if Roger does everything, you don't get to use your giftings. And I want to see you operating in your giftings. Because that's what builds a healthy church. Not only are we going to have these shepherds, but we're, we're putting together classes. We've got some teachers in the body, and they're already working on curriculum. So we can have classes, grounded classes, so people can, can understand that they are new creations in Christ Jesus. When they come to God, God wipes away all of the old, and everything is new. We have a place where people can have the Word of God and the love of God sown into them continuously. And then we're giving loving accountability as well. Not control, accountability. Are we willing, and I'm saying we, are we willing to get involved in people's messy lives? Knowing that one minute you may be their best friend and the next minute they're mad at you. See, their faith just isn't strong enough yet. So we keep scattering seeds. Because these are the people that God has called us to love. There's a story that I really like about William Booth, who is the, uh, uh, the man that founded the Salvation Army in England in the mid-1850s, uh, uh, 1800s. I think it was actually in the 1860s when they founded it. Well, he tells the story, actually his son is the one that tells the story, about uh, walking one evening with his dad down in some of the districts where the, the army was really strong and they, they did street services and, and it was for the, for the poorest of the poor. And, and this young man, he was about 13 years old at the time, the son, uh, and his dad just grabs him and pulls him into a saloon. Yeah, William Booth grabbed his son, his 13-year-old son, and took him into a saloon. And he said he looks around, you know, and he sees... He sees drunks, he sees prostitutes, he sees thieves, he sees gamblers, he sees all these things going on. He sees people trying to drown their sorrows. The only way they can be happy is to be completely drunk. Then he sees other people who, the more they drink, the angrier they get. And he's thinking his dad has brought him in there to say, hey, don't be like this. But his dad grabs him by the shoulders and he goes, these are our people. These are our people. These are the people that I want you to live for. Let's make it a goal in 2020 to live for people. No matter what they look like, no matter where they come from, no matter what's going on in their lives. No matter if we don't like the way that they sin, it's different from the way that we sin. Let's love people. We continue to scatter seeds on the rocky ground, so they can connect with God. 
Corey was up here just a little while ago and said, hey, you asking something big from God? I said, yeah, I'm asking something big from God. I'm going to tell you what I'm asking from God. I've been praying this over the last couple of years, and I know that I'm going to see it come to pass, and there's no reason that it shouldn't come to pass in this year. I'm believing that this church is going to see 100 people come to know the Lord in one calendar year. So why don't you pray with me? Why don't you believe with me? Why don't you write this down? Stick it on your refrigerator, your your mirror in your bathroom, in your Bible, wherever you remind yourself. And every time that you think about it, just pray. Lord, I thank you for a hundred people being saved through the ministries of New Covenant Church. Because that's what we're about. Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. When we begin to agree with what Jesus came to do, we're going to see amazing things happen in our body. Verse 22. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. Here's the third, the third time we get to help people connect. Connecting when it hurts. Connecting when it hurts. Thorns hurt. And I'm going to be honest with you. This is the one that, 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 that scares me the most. This is the scariest trap that the enemy has out there. Because things of life can pull us away from a genuine pursuit of God. And sometimes those things are disguised as blessings from God. I've watched passion for God drain out of people because they got a better job, because they got a dream house, because they got a a, a new relationship. Now, none of those things are wrong or bad unless they're outside of where God has you right now. I've seen people who were serving in the church, passionate about the things of the church, just waving the banner of, of New Covenant Church. And then they got a new job. And this must be from God because I got a whole lot more money to do it. Because that's how how we rank blessings, right? How much money am I getting? Now suddenly they don't have time to be at church. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm just so busy at work, I I don't have time to serve. Oh, you know what, I I, I can't be at group. I I, I I got a new job. I got a new job. Anything that is stealing away from who you are in the kingdom is not a blessing from God. God wants to bless you. I've seen people take jobs and and move away for these jobs, but they had such a support system where they were. And they move away for a job where they don't have the support system, and their life just craters. People who live in the thorns often seem successful, but they also often reject wise counsel. Because try to tell somebody, that's not God's blessing for your life. Well, they're going to pay me $50,000 more a year. Is $50,000 a year worth losing your family? 
Now, I know it's not just about money, but that's where we, we Americans, we get caught up in that. And the worst thing of it all, the Scripture says, they, they get caught up in this and there's no fruit. These are people that know God. These are people that have walked with God, but there's no fruit. There's no fruit in their lives. I've got a friend who used to be here in the church. He's no longer here. Got a new job. Ask us to pray for him. Hey, I really believe this, this job is for me. We prayed for him. He got the job. So it's got to be the blessing of God, right? But then he starts missing church. And this guy has a call of God on his life. And when I say call of God, I believe we all have calls of God on our life. But I'm talking about to, to stand on a platform and preach and teach. And we would have him teaching in, on Wednesday nights. Man, and every time he spoke, there was, there was just so much power in it. Every time we talked about who we could bring up higher into, into leadership and into places of, 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 of more authority in the church, he's always on the list. But then he got a job. Starts missing church and I'm checking in on him. Oh, we'll be there, we'll be there, we'll be there. Then he finally just, oh, I'm just too exhausted to come to church. Sometimes we confuse blessings with what we want. And because I want it and I got it, it must be God. Because I wanted it so bad and I got it, it must be God's blessing. And this is a tough place to be. But we've got to keep spreading the seeds, even in the thorns. The thorns insulate them and it hurts us when you try to speak into it. All right, I'm going to finish up here real quick. Verse 23. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, and even 100 times as much as has been, as has been planted. So here's the fourth, connecting when it seems easy. Being good soil. People that are living in good soil, you know what? They're teachable. They don't feel like they know it all. They're teachable. Even if they disagree with you, they'll listen to you. You can have a decent conversation with somebody. People that are living in good soil, they're seeking to know and understand their own giftings. And that's what this church is, is really at our core. This is what we're about, helping people recognize who they are, what you're called to do, helping you grow in your giftings, and then helping, helping you find a place to do that. And most of all, keeping a passion for people. Keeping a passion for people. Those that live in good soil, they keep a passion for people. And I've got one last thing that I'm going to throw out here. Um, because I told you I wasn't going to get you out by 12 and I've still got eight minutes. So, <laughs> the Lord and I were talking about this just a, just a few weeks ago. And it, and, and it got so big on the inside of me. I was like, Lord, I've got to cram that into a sermon someplace. Uh, it probably should be a sermon by itself, but I just wanted to, to, to kind of throw this out there at you. I've been doing a, a study on the book of John, and um, in the fifth chapter of the book of John, Jesus goes to 
the pool of Bethesda. Bethesda means house of mercy. And it says that the pool of Bethesda is right by the sheep gate. So I wanted to know where the sheep gate came from. So I, I did some, some studying. And in Nehemiah, it talks about when the children of Israel are coming back from, from being in bondage after they disobeyed God for so many years and, and they just they got taken away. They're coming back and the, 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 the gates of Jerusalem have been destroyed. The walls of Jerusalem have been destroyed. So they come back in the book of Nehemiah, and they begin to build it. And it talks about building the sheep gate in Nehemiah. And the priests were the ones that built the sheep gate. Now, I hope you're already connecting sheep to people, okay? The priests... The preachers were the ones that built the sheep gate. And just by this sheep gate in Jerusalem was this pool called House of Mercy. There at the pool, it says that there were five columns that held up a shelter over the pool. Number five always represents grace. Five also represents the the five ministry giftings, apostle, prophet, pastor, evangelist, and teacher. So see the picture with me. The sheep gate. The pool called House of Mercy. Right there where grace and giftings are covering it. You would think it would be a place of power. But when Jesus comes up upon it, there are people laying there that are sick. They're broken. They have nothing. They are so desperate for God, they're believing some wives' tale about an angel coming and stirring the waters. They're looking for something, just anything, and Jesus comes upon this, the place at the sheep gate, the place of the people, the place where the the priests have built, right there at the house of mercy, right there where the the, the columns of grace and ministry collide, and there's nothing but sickness and brokenness there. That's what religion does to you. But then love comes along. Here comes Jesus. Here comes Jesus. And his question is, do you want to be healed? He talks to a man that's been laying by that pool for almost 40 years. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? And this is the question that we need to ask our society. Do you want to be healed? Because our church is a sheep gate. It's an entrance to the house of mercy. And every calling and every gift and every talent that we possess as a church must be focused on loving people. Must be focused on loving them. The spiritually dying, the sick, the broken, the confused. Because if something is truly on fire, it's going to set other things on fire. Any fire that does not spread will eventually go out. If we as a church do not spread, we will go out. You hearing what I'm saying? A church without a heart for people is nothing but a contradiction. The worship may be hot. The preaching may be hot. It may be the friendliest church in town. 
But if lives aren't being changed, if people aren't being saved, it's not on fire. It's just blowing smoke. I don't want it to be said of New Covenant Church that we just blow smoke. So we must keep scattering seeds no matter what so people can connect with God. All right. What do I want you to know? I want you to know that all of us have the responsibility to scatter seed. What do I want you to feel? I want you to feel the love and compassion of Jesus for those on the footpath, in the rocky soil, among the thorns, and those who are striving to be good soil. Each one needs more of Jesus poured into them. What do I want you to do on this first Sunday of 2020? I want you to commit that this year that we'll forget about the pool of the American dream and we'll leave, live God's dream for our lives. And that we will scatter seeds. You pray with me? Father, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that, that you have chosen your people to be the vessels that you use to pour out your love. And Lord, we don't want to be a church that's all smoke and no fire. Lord, so for right up here, from the pastor of the church, Lord, I repent. I repent for where I have been smoke and not fire. I repent, Lord, when the ground has been hard and I've not sown seeds. Lord, I repent for where the ground has been rocky and I've not sown seeds. Lord, I repent for where there have been thorns and I've not sown seeds. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I declare that this year will be the year where we love people. This will be the year that I love people like I've never loved them before. Lord, I see people the way that you see them. I hurt for them the way that you hurt for them. And Lord, I want to love them the way that you love them. Lord, for everyone that's sitting in this congregation that's hearing this prayer and they're saying, that's my heart too. Lord, I just pray that, that you would use us to start a revolution in East Texas, a revolution of love, not of religion, not of building the name of a church, but building the kingdom of God. Lord, I don't care where people go to church. I just want to see them saved. I just want to see them being who you've called them to be. Lord, birth this in us as a congregation, as a body. In Jesus' name.